Hello, my lovers, my puppies, my kittens, my schmoopies. Hi. Well, I hope you're enjoying the, um, shall we say, exploration of unconventional sexual activities that uh, what the fuckery has been exploring with you. Sex club, swingers club, lifestyle clubs. Is it still taboo to talk about sex in this pandemic? The subject of swinging or attending sex clubs, which I'm guessing isn't happening right now. And maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Uh, we're not sure. And unless you're in the lifestyle, hmm, what the fuckery is a sex club? <laughs> Well, we're about to find out. I'm Nadege August, your host. If this is your first time with us, welcome. And here's what you can expect. What the Fockery is a podcast about the things we hear about but don't know enough about. A series of conversations dedicated to hearing firsthand from the very people whose lifestyle, truths, experiences, or concepts we struggle with understanding. The very things we should know about but are afraid to discuss. Now, our subjects and topics may or may not be mainstream, but our guests and sometimes experts are in it, living their truth whether we accept them or not. And if in that process we manage to bring clarity to you, dear listener, then thank you, thank you for being open, curious, and willing. In that vein today, our guest is Nikki, well, just Nikki. Nikki is a writer, a musician, uh, bisexual, but very straight-leaning, cisgender woman, and a self-described proud exhibitionist. Nikki has been, shall we say, exploring swingers clubs for about four years. Nikki, you know what song comes to mind? What song comes to mind when people hear, say Nikki? Hey, Nikki, you're so fine, right? Oh, that's you? Okay. <laughs> the song I was thinking about in light of our topic is Prince. I knew this girl named Nikki and she was a uh-huh. sex machine. <laughs> Do you, you know, know what? I don't know Prince's music that well. So I'm really glad that you said that. Um, <laughs> I know, I know. I have a friend who, I, a new friend I made who is a Prince impersonator. So I'm getting to know Prince's music. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> Nikki, you're a sex fiend. Uh, you're here <laughs> to tell us all about how to get a freak on, get your freak on. Okay, but seriously. Sure. All right, so uh, listeners, uh, Nikki and I were just kind of like chatting, getting to know each other a little bit pre-recording. And we started talking about the... Um, the loneliness get, can happen in light of this pandemic. And I'm hoping this podcast, this What the Fockery, is bringing you some levity and some escapism. And so I was sharing how right before COVID, I had to move. A lot of things happened where, where I am now, uh, it's just, it's miraculous. 
because I couldn't imagine going through this alone. And you wanted to, you, you were about to share something and we decided, well, let's just let the world know about it. So Nikki, I know, because you, because you said some, you said um, something about if you had to go through this pandemic alone, that would have been so hard. And you're glad now that you have people that you're living with in this house. Right. Right. And immediately I started thinking of the summer I had and how like, I, I know we're here to talk about swingers clubs. <laughs> we'll get to the sex part, audience. Hold your horses, yes. my lovers, my puppies, my kittens, my schmoopies. Nikki's going to tell us all about her freaky side. <laughs> so it just made me think about like a conversation I had with a guy on the beach. I, I'm a beach girl. So all summer I go to a nude beach that we have here in New Jersey. Mm. I love this place. I've been there. I've been there. Okay. You know it. Okay. Yes. And those in the know, I'll, it's Gunnison Beach. It's, yeah. You can just Google it. It's, um, and like, to, to give the context, I had a big breakup in December. I had a big trip home, back home to where I'm from. I'm, I'm from Asia, and I won't specify so that I can remain somewhat anonymous where, but I'm from Asia. So I went home for a whole month, hung out with my mom and sister, came back, was recovering from the breakup, and immediately the pandemic just blew up. Like, it was end of February, right? And I was recovering from a breakup and was planning to live this like new single life after being five years in a relationship. And I couldn't date. I couldn't go anywhere. I was like, so at this, I would go to the beach as soon as summer hit. I was very excited to be there. I got to know a guy and we started talking about how touch starved we were. And that's what you made me think of when you mm, said like, skin hunger. Alone. It's yes, called dude. skin hunger. Yeah. I, I know hunger. what that's about. I haven't heard that term. I'm so glad there's a term for it. There <laughs> because- is a term, but it makes sense. You know, your skin, we are, we, listen, when babies aren't held and coddled, when they're, when they're growing, they atrophy, they, some die. It's been proven. Yeah. We need touch as humans. So yeah. um, when you were at the nudie beach in Jersey, did yeah. you have your mask on? Yes. I always <laughs> would wear my mask on and off because you, it was so, it's packed kind of where, where you walk in. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're on the beach, man, that beach, it was more crowded than ever this year. People were there to party harder than ever. People didn't care about social distancing, but if you wanted to, you could keep your distance because there's enough space. So I did. Well, there were schlongs for days. You were seeing all kinds of for days. Yes. It's like going to a Korean spa here for a body scrub. I mean, I have seen every possible vagina there is other than my own. And I'm not even, you know, I don't dip in the other side. Sorry. You know, I'm, I'm strongly team penis. Yes. Yes. So for me to see all these vaginas, I can imagine, but yeah, the nude beaches in Jersey, I, I've been to two of them. Um, this is when I lived in New York. So yeah, it's a great, uh, place to study all the various shapes and sizes and, you know, do you find yourself looking at them and wondering if you'd be into that or not? Well, so there's such an intersection on Gunnison beach between the swinger lifestyle, which is usually termed SLS swinger lifestyle. And usually people will use the shorthand, like, "Are, are you in the lifestyle? And if you don't know what that is, I, this happened to a friend of mine. I brought her to the beach and somebody said, are you in the lifestyle? And she was like, I said, yeah. I was like, no, she didn't know what she was saying yes to. But uh, there are a lot of those people on the beach. There's a lot of people on that beach looking to hook up. 
Um, I treat, I, I don't treat that beach that way. Even though I go to swingers clubs or sex clubs, just sex clubs as I call them. Um, I don't, Gunnison is a place of extreme peace and like connecting with nature. I know that sounds very crunchy and hippie, but like, that's why I love Gunnison Beach. <laughs> I love just that. Just being naked in the sun. Listeners, yeah. did, you, did you hear her? <laughs> so it's your place to meditate in nature and literally everyone's like in their birth suits, right? Yes. Oh, yes. So, and like, you have standards. I, I appreciate that about you. Well, it's not that it's standards, honestly. I, I really love the that place or nude, the nudist community in general, which in my mind and just in my life intersects with this like open sex life and stuff, but is separate at the same time. I just feel that they're really valuable because like I love when I see families at Gunnison. There are a few families with kids that come there. And I like that because it allows kids to see every body type is exists and that's okay and I think that's good like the Korean spa I love going to the Korean spa and I like that girls can see other bodies and we're all normal and I think that's what it's for me that's what it's for like everything's normal a desexualized space that's it that's exactly yeah. right so uh you, since you don't hook up there if one wanted to hook up it's like your friend when she was approached are you into the lifestyle i guess that's the password um do they then go off to some like corner that's hidden behind a rock or something so it's illegal to be sexual in public to do a sex act in public there and you or know, anywhere you know this how well first of all it happens and community. <laughs> I know. Um, let me just say right now, I have hooked up on that beach. I'm totally I never have. I have hooked up on that beach. Um, uh, it was a one-off thing. It was that kind of situation. Did I freeze, by the way? But I can hear you. says it's unstable. Okay, perfect. Um, so I hooked up. I've hooked up there. It was a one-off thing. I just want to paint the proper, accurate picture. But uh, what was your original question? No, I just got sidetracked by saying that I hooked up on the beach. So, you know, you prefaced the whole, my, my, your answer with it's illegal to hook up in public. Oh, yes. Because I was wondering where one go, should one decide to hook up with a perfect stranger because they've seen them naked? There's all kinds of things people do. Like, first of all, it's a national park. So park rangers are patrolling all the time for many things, alcohol, smoking, sex acts are the big main ones. So you have to be careful because you don't want to get arrested. If you get arrested for a sex act, you could become a sex offender. That's like a real serious thing. So people who get sexual on that beach are taking a huge risk to get their kink off. Do you know what I mean? Like huge. I did not know that. I mean, yeah. So someone who has a sex offender thing on their record, it could be because they had sex on a beach? Yes, it could very well be because of that. It could be because of public nudity um, in an inappropriate space or a sex act in public. Not the drink so, sex on the beach, by the way. No, not the cocktail. Very good cocktail. <laughs> yes. Um, so people, and there are certain structures that are illegal, like a tent is illegal. They have all kinds of rules. So you can't make a tent and then have sex in it. But people have big umbrellas and they put them at an angle. They have all kinds of things that they do. And there are some on the beach who will see it and say, hey, stop, because if you get in trouble, this beach could get closed. And then there are others who are, like, very happy to watch. There's all kinds on that beach. So you have to be kind of very aware 
of what's going on around you. And once you get used to it, you know, you figure it out. So uh, let's finally delve into the swingers lifestyle. Now, you told me that there is a huge difference. Like you'd rather call it sex clubs. Yeah, that's just my personal thing. Um, just because when I say, not that I talk about this a lot. Like if I talk about it with friends, I'm careful to see, are they going to be comfortable with this conversation? You know, all of that. But if I bring, if it comes up, saying swingers clubs somehow sounds so 1970s. It has this image of like old hippies do it. Do you know what I mean? Porn stash. Yes. Yeah, that seems sometimes that, Sorry. Sometimes that seems to be the thing that people think of. Mm-hmm. So I feel awkward saying that despite, I mean, how awkward can I feel when I'm just I'm doing things in the sex club? But I like to call it a sex club because it's just exactly what, it describes exactly what it is. People go there to have sex, whether you're swinging, whether you're single, whether you're curious about something. So Would you clarify the distinction between being a swinger and someone who just, I don't know, goes to a sex club? Great point. Okay, so swingers are technically people who have partners of some kind, like a sexual partner or husband or boyfriend, wife, etc. Um, and they swing, aka switch partners off with another couple or couples, like in a group of couples. So that's a standard technical thing of what a definition of what a swinger is. But people who go to sex clubs are often, they can be single. Um, and then join a couple or single joining another single. And um, oftentimes, as is the case with most nude spaces, sex clubs have more single men than they have any other category of anybody. So (laughs) there's an imbalance. Yeah. So someone like, are you attached or? I'm not. So um, I'm currently not attached, but the whole time that I was frequenting sex clubs, I was attached. So that was an interesting dynamic. So um, my boyfriend never joined. He knew about it and he was fine with it. He was a very, he's a very open type of person and like um, was, is very non-judgmental and he's sort of like, very much, very much so. Um, And so uh, I would, I would go, but he never came with me. It just, just, the chance never really came and he was never really that interested. Um, and then we broke up twice. So during the, the first breakup and now final breakup, I started going a lot more because of course I didn't have any other place. Well, I, I could go meet somebody in a bar if I wanted to have sex or, you know, a traditional date, but like, it's a very uh, quick anonymous, if you want it to be anonymous way to fulfill those needs sexual needs, you know? So. Um, question for you. So yes. while you are in your relationship, um, yeah. and, you know, by all means, if I'm being too personal, let me know. Okay. Presumably you have a sex life with your boyfriend. Yes. And yes. hopefully it's fulfilling. Mm-hmm. But while you were with him, you were still going to the sex clubs. Is it because something was missing? Explain to me, first of all, I I get it, but explain this need to go to a sex club. Because what else is there to do there? You don't go to drink, you can go to watch, participate. 
So um, all kinds. Sometimes I would go and just watch. Sometimes I've participated, but in very specific ways. So it's very complicated, right? Uh, uh, it is absolutely a thing where people uh, are in a fulfilling sexual relationship and they also, one of them goes to sex clubs to fill any number of needs, whether it's they have a higher sex drive than their partner or whether they're just sort of leaning towards a polyamorous type sexuality and their partner isn't, whatever reason. Um, if I'm fully honest with you, your listeners and myself, my relationship with my boyfriend was always up and down. I always had, I've always, I, if you ask me, when did this start for you? Uh, I will desire, ask you. Yeah. Like, like when did you discover? Like so what is it? You have a high libido, like you're, you got to do, I do have um, like cycles of high libido, low libido. There's that. There's also like the rockiness of my relationship with him possibly having a factor to play. Uh, there was also like, I have an exhibitionist side, which is a different thing altogether. You know, I just like to go into a nude beach. I get it. Exactly. So yeah. that there's that as well. So there's so many little pieces of the puzzle that would make you want to go there, which, which is, would make me want to go there. That, that would be. So while you were and, with the ex, you were still going. Why? Um, I do think that I had, it wasn't sexual needs that weren't being fulfilled. They were probably emotional needs. Um, now we're getting very deep. Which, <laughs> I would hope so. I mean, come on, let's go there, babe. If this is your let's first go there. opening up about this, and we are yeah, to this level, yeah, for your you know privacy by not divulging too much, like your yeah. last name, birthday, for example, yeah, um, you might as well let it out. Twenty twenty, for sure, <laughs> for go sure, there. for sure. So, um, okay, so for me, which may be surprising to some people. Um, because I think people think who have, pe some people think people who have out of the normal kinks or are very sexual or promiscuous, they are able to separate emotion and sex more than others. But that's not true for me. Um, the two are very tied together. Now, if I go to a club and I have sex with somebody, no, I don't get immediately emotionally attached. But if I were, it makes it better. So I'm just explaining my, myself so that the, so you get kind of where I'm coming from. So because there were some emotional needs unmet in my relationship, I think I went to soothe, soothe those gaps, you know, by exploring my sexuality because it would be too complicated for me to get emotionally involved with somebody else. If I wanted to do that, I could probably have talked about it with my boyfriend, but that's too hard for me to do. It's easier for me to just, oh, I'll just have sex with different people and try it. It's almost like somebody will have a little extra to drink or I don't want to compare sex with drugs. That can be a thin line to walk, but I hope you understand the point I'm making. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Did you have a gap? Yeah. No, I, I'm not puzzled. Um, it, it, you're just raising some really interesting points here. So there is a, an emotional gap, a, a void, uh, but you, it yeah. sounds like you were looking to fulfill them through sex. Uh, yes. Not to say that it wasn't also like scratching the sexual itch as well. There's also that. Um, 
I'm just going to pause here to say my dog just started making noises. Well, tell him to come say hi to us. Okay. So explain it. What do you think this void was? Um, sec- I think in general, people's sexuality is a lot more. I know we talk about fluid sexuality, but I think people's sexuality is more fluid than we even think about it sometimes currently. And like, I say that to say that today I might want to have sex with a stranger in a room full of strangers for a different reason that I'm going to want to do it tomorrow. You know, today I might be bored tomorrow. I might be super horny. Uh, the day after I might be lonely. So like that, it would be the same thing in my relationship. Sometimes I would, I would never ever, I will say this. I would never do this to a partner where I'm angry with him and I go have sex even with consent, I wouldn't want to react that way because that kind of reactive behavior pulls people apart, right? That's what I think anyway. Um, So I'm just saying that overall, there was always a loneliness in my relationship. That's why it ended eventually. There was always that there. So it probably had a part to play in uh, me being very interested in continuing exploring swingers clubs and my sexuality um, outside the relationship. It probably had, that's all I'm saying. Just it had a part to play. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So now here's the, the million dollar question. Yeah. When did this begin? When did you discover this? I don't want to call it a kink, but that's the word that comes to mind. It's certainly non-normative. Yeah, I would say, I don't uh, mind the terminology kink at all. Um, but I was thinking before we talked today, because I was listening to some of your other episodes, mm-hmm. by the way, great stuff. Um, <laughs> but I was, you asked that question. I was like, when did it start? And I don't know if it's cause I'm having a birthday coming up and I'm feeling a little bit, Oh, I'm getting older, but it now feels like I, it's always been like that. It, I remember hitting puberty and just being so horny all the time, like for real. Um, and like I had a boyfriend when I was 12. Do you know what I mean? And when did you become sexually active? Actually much later, I was 21. It took me a long time. And that's because I was raised as a very devout evangelical Christian, which is a whole other side of my story. (laughs) Listen, I, I too am club 21. But I was raised Catholic, and I was a very experienced virgin. Yes. I (laughs) I remained a virgin, but I knew exactly what to do and how to do it. So I I understand that. I I think there's a lot of women, (laughs) young men too, who who do understand that. I've had a lot of conversations with ex-Christians that are like this. But anyway, um, when did it start? I was such a horny kid and um, (laughs) I don't want to get too complicated for the viewers, but I also immigrated to the U S from a different country when I was 17. And around that time I started, you know, I started going to college and a lot of awakenings are happening at that time in general. Right. And I started to think just very easily. It just came to me. It wasn't a realization. It was just like, I think I'm attracted to girls. Like, it just, it wasn't a shocking thing to my mind. It just was like, I think I am. Um, and once or twice I dated a girl that I met on a dating app, nothing, no relationships. Those are my first types of explorations into new sexualities. 
And then if you're going to ask me about clubs. No, but hang on. Was there, was there sexual exploration with these few women here and there? When I say, when, when you say dated women. Only kissing, nothing further than that. Um, Even though I would have wanted to, it just never got further because, and I think, yeah, I'm going to keep psychoanalyzing myself. I think I lean towards men and they sexually excite me, excite me more because I have a very standard story of an absent father, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I think that plays into it. Um, and, and once I start dating someone, I get attached and I can't, I couldn't and still can't see myself in a relationship with a woman. I always wanted that male, I'll say it, approval. That's part of it. Um, but like presence in my life that I felt I was missing. So that's part of that. Um, Part of that plays into the the scenario in a club where there are multiple men and you can surround yourself with them and feel very powerful. I like that aspect of it. Um, I don't know. Surround yourself to them, uh, with them and feel powerful. Do you mean powerful because you're feeling protected or powerful because they are putty in your hands? So excellent distinction. I'm glad you asked. Um, the la- the the latter. So oh. the fact that they're putty in your hands. So it's power. And the, it's definitely power. And it brings up another great point, which is I, I, I always say this about sex clubs. I never feel safer in a sexual environment than I do in a sex club because there are so many strict rules there have to be protection. There has to be consent explicitly. And there's always like a mom or like a boss in charge who's sort of looking over to make sure everyone's safe. And that you couldn't ask for a safer environment, like one-on-one in a bedroom with a guy that you just met feels more unsafe sometimes. You know what I mean? Do you keep in touch with these people or no? The people you do meet at a sex club or you've had sex with? Some. Some. There's one guy in fact, I met up with him today. There's one guy that I met in a, a Vegas club who I've stayed in touch with for years. And I've met up, hooked up with him one-on-one since then from time to time. Um, I have a few other guys' numbers, but there have been some interesting episodes where, like, this, these are just anecdotes, right? Um, but, like, in a, in a Brooklyn club that I would go to... Um, I, there was a couple guys that had their numbers. And so I met them a couple times at the club and, uh, and they were like, Oh, text me. Maybe we'll meet up outside the club to have some fun or play as they call it in the, in the scene, they say play. Um, but then like there was an experience with, with one of them where we were at the club and we were being sexual, but there were other people involved and he got jealous, which was very interesting because we didn't have really a relationship of any kind. <laughs> like That but, must have turned you on. I can tell. You know, that's a turn on. I don't care what you say, honey. <laughs> it is. So it, it, you're right that it is such a turn on for somebody to be jealous, but the way that it played out made me feel like, ew, because it was literally in the middle of sex where he was like, um, he stopped. And I was like, oh, what's wrong? There was another guy at my head over here. <laughs> I'm getting very explicit. I hope Please be. Doesn't mind. <laughs> they um, don't. Trust me. <laughs> okay, good. And the guy who was ha- fucking me said, um, 
oh, it seems like you're, you're just more interested in this other guy and just sort of left. And I was like, I felt bad. Like, I don't, it was a weird thing. Whoa, whoa. He left like, mid thrust. Okay. He literally, he was so, he was st- <laughs> That's just going to walk like, away. I'm going to pull out and walk away. It, it was like that, which is oh why I was gosh. like, his feelings must really be hurt because Aww. he literally is still hard. Like, <laughs> what's he okay, doing at a sex club? See, maybe that's his kink. That's his power play. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But I, I int- I'm loving those, those stories because I'm very pragmatic. Like, I'd rather have stories than you explain, than like sexplaining things. it to me or sexplaining yes. stuff to me. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. I like First... That. First sex club, what age and where and how? Okay, good. Um, so the first time I went was, I think I mentioned to you maybe that I used to travel to Vegas before COVID for work a lot. So I love that city. You know, I don't gamble, but I love the scene. Like I go to shows. And so I started to, I always knew, like I always had these idle fantasies of like, hiring a female escort, like to have a sexual experience with a woman because I knew prostitution is legal there. This is a very controversial topic, I know, but like I was never going to do it. First of all, it's expensive. Second of all, it's like, I don't know. Okay, hang on. Um, Mid-thought, let's clarify something. You think you're bisexual. Have you not had relations with a woman? uh, Well, very briefly, I have here and there at sex clubs. So as but, a group thing, as opposed to one-on-one, yes. just, okay, yes. got it, got yes. it. I'm with yes. you now. Thank you. Yes. yes. Carry on. Um, yes. So I would have these thoughts when I was there. The city, now Now I'm going to start sounding hippie again. Feel I hippie. Love de- I love the desert. I love the climate of um, Nevada and the air in the city. It's so, even though it's a crowded city, Vegas on the strip, it's quiet because the sound just goes up. It feels like a very dreamy place to be. So like I started to daydream about like, I don't know how I found out about the concept of sex clubs. Honestly, I don't know. Okay. Somehow I found out about it. So I started researching it there, found a couple, picked one, and it ended up being the only one I've ever would go to there. I didn't even try the other one because I would hear it was full of tourists and blah, blah, blah. And that's, that's a whole other issue with sex clubs. If they're in a big city like New York, some of them get overrun with like non-regulars and it's a people who just It's a shit talk. show. I get it. Yeah. yeah. Stalkers. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to Red Rooster. It's well known. I don't have any problem saying the name of it. Um, and it's an old ranch house that started this being a sex club in the 1970s. And I think the it changed ownership maybe. Anyway, a couple runs it. It's it's a house. It has a pool, it has bedrooms upstairs, and it has a orgy room and a dance floor. It has sections, you know? <laughs> and so <laughs> I mean they I want a house with it. a section. Okay. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so it's a whole thing, you know, um couples that's that, this is another part of it. Usually, so I was a single woman. I called up to see, are you still open? How much is it for a single woman? $5. And it can be $50 for a couple, $60 for a male. So that's the difference. Like single women are very much like, please come. You know, they're trying to get as many single women as possible. And then they ended up letting me in for free because it was late. And they're like, you're a girl, please come. So <laughs> it's great for How me. How old were you at the time? Were you... I was probably, oh, two, 
it's funny. I was probably 31 or 32, which seems okay. late. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm 34 now. So it would have only been three or four years ago. Oh my gosh. That's when why, why, are, why are you my guest? You're a newbie. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So grateful <laughs> oh, that sure. you're here. <laughs> I thought you were like, I've, got, I've been doing this for 10 years. Okay, but that's fine. It feels like The fact like is I you're have. doing it. Why? You're in it. And it sounds like you're committed to it. No, it very much, I feel that it's very much a part of my identity. Like I'm very um, frank about it if somebody asks. And I'm very passionate about explaining like, how freeing it is and how, and the positives of it. And like, I talked to you about the safety and consent. It can be so, so empowering. Honestly, it's empowering for me Hmm. for the reasons we discussed about like the consent. All right. I'm not letting you off the hook. Red rooster. They let you in for free. Okay. Go on. They let me in for free. So the first time I went, um, I was nervous, but three locals, saw me, invited me to their table. And it's a small place. Don't picture like this big expanse, right? And they were just very cool to me. Like they, they were, we were all wearing clothes. Um, and I was feeling very sexy because I was wearing like a very like transparent, like silk top with no bra. So I felt very sexy. Um, and like, they were like, oh, you've, you've never been here. You've, are oh, you from out of town? Wow, you're brave. You came alone. That's so brave. And they were just so nice to me. And I was like, this is cool. And I just talked to them most of the time. and then. Towards the end of the night, I sort of crept into the orgy room just to like look to see what was happening. A couple went in there and they were having sex. Uh, and there's multiple beds, like big beds on, on levels. So multiple people can join in different configurations, right? It's a setup. So there was just the couple and there was a bunch of men that sort of walked in after the couple walked in to watch. And then sort of me and like a couple other ladies with, with their boyfriends or husbands. And I was like watching, I was very like turned on by it, but I wasn't trying to have sex with anyone. I was still very like getting my bearings and I was watching it with like deep fascination. And there was this guy who was watching me. So he was definitely trying to approach me. So that was like the scenario. And we ended up like probably kissing or something. And the reason this is all blurry is because that guy is the one guy that I still talk to. So now the, the sequence of our events are blurry, but um, the first time I went was nothing, like I didn't participate in much is really the story. But I went back the next day. Of course I had you a, did. Yes. Because you're a winner. Yes. And a champion. Like, <laughs> yes. yes, you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> Thank you for going back the next day. Okay. You know, you get it. Like, I get I got it. My toe, put, like toes wet. And then I was like, I know the field now, the, the deal. And so as mild as my first visit was, my second visit, I dove literally because I dove into the swimming pool (laughs) naked, but I dove right in Um, where coincidentally, the guy that I met the previous night didn't get his number, nothing. He was there the next night. So then we started to talk. But uh, so I just sort of attached myself to him. We got naked, got in the pool and wherever I went, got the guys in the place would follow me because there weren't a lot of women. So I felt like, wow, that's the first taste I got of that like power feeling. Um, and the guy who I was with, he was like, Oh, they're all here for you. And I was like, really? And he's like, you know, you know that they are (laughs) exhibitionists. That's when you discovered your exhibitionist gene. Very, very much. Yes. Yes. And 
So then I very slowly was like, okay, you can touch me. Okay, let's get out of the pool. Okay, let's go to the orgy room. And we sat in a couch and I let him like touch me, take my shirt off, you know. Then I was like, okay, you can, okay, I'm going to get very explicit. <laughs> Quit apologizing. Yes. Um, so I said, okay, you can suck my nipples. You can. And so it was slowly like steps because now remind He sounds I'm nice. Like, he allowed you to dictate the course there. chart. The Oh, wow. Okay, good. He, he turned out to be, have a very interesting situation himself. He's very sexually experienced. And um, I'll get into him later. I'll just finish this story. Is he the guy that you're still like going back and forth with till this day? You know what? He sounds like a keeper. Anyway, yes, I'll let you get there in your own time. No, as I'm listening, I'm like, oh, I hope she kept him around. Yeah, he is. He is good. So um, I was, keep in mind, I was in a relationship at the time. And I had, before I even set foot in the place, asked my boyfriend. He said, okay. So that was done. But because of the fact I was in a relationship, I did not want to have penis and vagina sex with anybody. That was like my boundary. Right. So (laughs) I know. So, um, so I told him, okay, I'm now I'm very turned on. I'm high. I took an edible or something that was high. And I was like, I'm going to get on the bed and I don't want to have sex with you. I'm going to masturbate. People can watch, but just sit with me and make sure nobody touches me. Sort of like protect me, right? That's what I asked him to do. And he played his role like perfectly. He sat there and I think he felt good being like put in charge of me. So it was that, it was a very interesting dynamic where I could dictate minute to minute, like exactly what was happening. And he just did it. Like there was no questioning, right? And so I masturbated and a couple approached me and I said it was okay. My friend Brad, which is not his real name. I don't even know his real name. That's even hotter. You're a gangster. Go on. (laughs) And he would be like, no, she doesn't want anyone to touch her. And I would be like, that is so hot that he's like doing that for me. And then I was like, oh, it's okay. They can come and whatever. So this couple approached me and the guy had like a leather whip which he like gently like used on me. It was very gentle. And the woman, um, she got sexual with me. Like she fingered me and she like, you know, and she tried to make me squirt and I'd never have. And I made her stop. And she was like, no, don't make me stop. Don't make me stop. And I was like, no, 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 it's too much. So that was the whole experience in great detail. (laughs) Yeah, very graphic. I may have to slap on a explicit warning. Relax. You might have to. I already, the whole thing is, has a rating of being explicit. So Okay, good. I, and I, hopefully anyone who, who this is too much for has already, you know, tuned off. off. Tune off. off. Tune off. No worries. Yeah. So you and Brad are still carrying on? Yeah, it's very, very on and off because... So, so his like, situation, what's his sitch? He's married to a virgin? His situation is quite fascinating. He is... Uh, so I'm in my mid thirties. He's probably, he's in his forties. He has two kids that are grown and he's married. Now listen, listen to the the situation. I get it. I, I'm very, um, it's important for me to note this, that I'm very serious about, um, I don't cheat and consent and I don't like to participate in somebody cheating. I have before and I, I didn't like 
and I did it and I told myself, this is not a thing I want to do ever. Sometimes that's how you learn what your boundaries are. You have to exactly. cross them in order to realize this is something that's not for me. Okay. Yes. Exactly. When I, was, when I was young, I had this big thing of like, I didn't make any vows to anyone. It's not my responsibility. But as I got older, I realized like the potential to hurt someone is not something I want to participate in ever. Mm-hmm. So the first night I met him, I asked him, oh, so what's your story, right? Like you're here in this club. And he said, he's married. It's a sexless marriage. And he's been in therapy. And his therapist told him, um, you don't want to break up your family. You refuse to do that, but you really need sex and you don't want to, you don't know what to do. So I'm going to direct you to practice ethical affairs. I want you to be anonymous. Don't ever do it with a person more than once. And nobody needs to be hurt. Just be safe, right? So I will note here that he could be lying to me. I don't know, right? But he did tell me he was married. He didn't have to tell me that much either. So I believe him. And that's all I can do is I can only believe what people tell me. That's kind of what I, I go by, right? So, of course, he broke one rule, which is we have hooked up more than once. Um, but it is by no means a relationship. We barely talk. We meet up. It's if you're in town. Yeah. Like, he actually, though we met in Vegas, we're both from the same area here. So, he is from the area. But, uh, you know, I've gone a year without seeing him. And this week, I saw him last week and this week because of circumstances. So, Anyway, that's the story with him. So when you've gotten together pre-COVID, before, I'm assuming sex clubs are shut down right now, right? They very much, well, the one the one that I go to here is definitely shut down. So, yes. Okay. So you are not meeting at sex clubs. It becomes a one-on-one sitch between the two, and it's purely yes. sexual. Do you meet it's in purely. a neutral home, a neutral place, a hotel, or do you... Does he come to you? Because if he's married, I'm assuming you can't go to his house. Oh, for sure. Not his house. Um, I have always insisted until now to be at a hotel. But this, these two times, it's been at my place. Um, I, it, COVID has changed everything. It's like, I don't care anymore. Just whatever, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I'm, I'm single. I broke up. Like, I, hey, I, fuck I standards. Who needs standards now? We're all going to die. <laughs> it's like, it's just easier. Just come here. You're in and out in two hours. Like, it's good. In two hours. Wow. <laughs> yeah, like, depending on the schedule. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. It really is. Oh my yeah. gosh. I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying this combo. I don't know if you are. I, I, I am hope. too. Yeah. I'm feeling momentarily I get nervous about like, man, I'm really oversharing. Like, but what does that mean? It's okay. I, I, yeah. I'm sure your listeners are into like, you know, all kinds of interesting, secrets. hopefully they're non-judgmental. See, my podcast is about opening people up and developing empathy. We are so quick to judge people, especially with the dogma of religion. We decide what's right, what's wrong. And it's like, you know, I'm sorry. Who the fuck are you to tell me what's right and what's wrong? As long as you're not harming another individual or a child or a defenseless pet. Okay. That's that's what I think as well. Yeah. And I feel that the, the people who repress these needs because of dogma, they end up erupting and they're the ones who go and shoot people up for no apparent reason and set shit on fire because you get so angry. 
So, yes. all right, I'm and getting I, off my political rant right now. No, totally fine. Like I, I do, this is why I do try to carefully tell people in a pragmatic way and normalize like this kind of um, safe sex practice, you know, where you don't hurt anyone, you are safe and, and so what? Um, yeah. Does he know your real name? I Obviously he knows yes. where you live. He knows where to find you. He, yes, I, I'm not, just because by dint of the way that I do see this lifestyle, which I have a tendency to want to normalize it, I am not as careful as a lot of people who have code names and pseudonyms. I use my name. Um, Nikki is a nickname, yes, but it is the name my friends call me. And uh, I, you know, if people ask, I tell them what I do for a living. Like, I, I really don't anonymize myself. Um, and so far, it hasn't got me in trouble. I'm not trying to run for president, so, you know. You're not going to hold office someday, no? I mean, not that I know of, but, you know, if I do, I'm... <laughs> I'll be in some level of trouble. Nikki, (laughs) I've got to ask you, why, why do you, because this is part of how I've introduced you. Mm -hmm. Why do you describe yourself as bisexual? Identify yourself as such. Yeah. um, It's a term that I've had a strange relationship with because I really live my life as a straight woman, right? Yeah. I've only ever had boyfriends mm-hmm. and I don't have- You're team penis. I, I mean, really I, am. You are team penis. Yeah. Um, but I describe myself as, as of late. I've started to, to sort of claim it a little bit because um, I know I'm attracted to women and I know that everything, every sexuality is on a scale. And I have explored this even though- Okay, to take a step back, I find myself in a position a lot of like justifying or explaining my sex life in some way, right? Whether your girlfriend has something to say about the guy you're sleeping with that she doesn't like, or, you know, she doesn't like your boyfriend, you know, people seem to get involved, right? On all kinds of levels in what you're doing in your bedroom. And so like, I've started to think like, you know, it's not true to all of me if I don't say when appropriate, oh, yes, I am bisexual. Yes, I am attracted to women. I don't, you know, run around announcing this, but it is true of me that I'm attracted to women in a sexual way, if not like a romantic, you know, because you can start getting into these terms of heteroromantic and homoromantic and set, you know, all those kinds of things. I don't try to dissect it that way. I'm attracted to women as, as far as- But I'm you've concerned. yet to have full-on sex with a woman. But what is full on sex? Like some people say when they penetrative, sex, they mean penetrative. to me, yeah. per, this is my personal definition of full on sex. I, I was okay. able to uh, physiologically, biologically, I was able to claim virginity because I never had penetrative sex. Gotcha. But, but other know, things happen. Some, some people will have anal sex and still consider themselves a virgin and that's yeah. penetrative. Of course, there's, there's, that's a very, that's full on definition. Right. Let's talk about it because I'd be interested in asking, I'm assuming like a homosexual male who I believe that's the actual act is the penetration anally. Right. So they can claim to be virgins until that has happened. So the term virgin itself is so... Well, it's like, that whole hymen situation. That, yeah. Hymen yeah, thing exactly. we have as women in our yeah. part. That, yeah. Because as long as it's protected and it's there, we are virgins, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. I run into, I run into these, the part of the problem is I don't have my own personal definition of what sex is except to say, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately during COVID because people are having zoom sex. Do you know what I mean? Whoa. We're going to have to talk about zoom sex. Okay. Go on. Finish (laughs) this thought. Oh my gosh. Listeners. She just said, dropped a bomb on us. I know. So like, to me, at this point, the way that I'm defining sex is you were sexual with someone. And li- literally, people will define that differently. But for me, my, one of my best friends is a gay, a gay guy. And I was seeing somebody that I met on the beach, which is a whole other story, this, this year. And it's been a very slow-burning romance. And sex is not... There's some sexual... Uh, What's the incompatibility between us where I want it? He, he's, he's having trouble with the concept for all kinds of personal reasons of his own. And my, my friend who's gay was like, you know, you straights are so obsessed with putting penises in vaginas. Like he, as a gay male, is very intimately aware of like how sensitive erections are and how sensitive people are about their erections and achieving them. And like sometimes two men get together and no erection is to be had. And so they just touch each other and they just are into them that's sexual. And so we had this deep discussion and I started thinking about all the ways that I show like sexual affection that doesn't result in an orgasm or penetration, you know? So all that to say, <laughs> to say. Sorry, all that to say, um, have I had sex with a woman? Not by your definition, um, but I've been sexual with men and I've liked it. So, I mean, I guess that's the best I can say for that. I don't know what's up with me. I usually don't remember titles of anything, but you just, I feel like you, your theme song is I kissed a girl and I liked it. Was it Miley yes. Cyrus? Who sang that song? I kissed that was Katy Perry. Katy Perry. Okay. Iconic. Oh, yes. okay. So you know that song. Great. I'm glad. I mean, uh, you don't know Prince, but you know Katy Perry. Okay. Good. Yes. You know, now you're getting my vibe. <laughs> I, I was, Dude, I'm so getting your vibe. Okay, so have sex clubs moved into the virtual world now? Like people having Zoom sex and stuff? And why am I hearing about this now? Yes. Okay, so the sex club that I mentioned in Brooklyn, Mm -hmm. I have noticed that their social media, I haven't participated in any of their Zoom parties, but they have been having Zoom parties. They've been announcing it on their social media. (laughs) Um, So that's been happening And then I just saw them announce that very soon, um, like in the next coming week, two weeks or so, they're going to have a party at the house, like a live party again. Oh, they're they're going to open up. They're going to open up and they're going to screen everyone. I'm going to assume this means temperature check. Now, that is not enough for me, so I will not be participating. Um, But they are doing that. So Godspeed to them. I really hope everyone's safe. But they are opening up, yeah. Wow. So the Zoom sex portion, are people just watching each other? Because you can't participate, can you? So I have had a one-on-one Zoom sex situation with a guy um, in recent weeks. And so we've been sexting. Okay, it's a very traditional sort of sexting uh, flirtation. He's a friend of mine and he lives in a different city he suggested Zoom sex. We jumped on video the other day. We tried. It didn't really go anywhere. We sort of brushed it off as like, oh, it's late and whatever. But honestly, 
I don't, it really doesn't do it for me. Once in a while I might, but yeah. So porn doesn't do much for you either. Because no, it is visual. But I, look, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's except with, I guess with Zoom, it's live, it's happening in real time, but like, I don't know, hop on Pornhub. <laughs> no, I absolutely watch porn. I will fully admit to that. Um, that does it for me, for sure. Hetero porn or um, I porn? watch a lot of lesbian porn. Mm-hmm. I watch hetero porn. I even sometimes watch male gay porn. That, it's a whole thing, right? Our brains are weird. Well, yeah, um, as women, we're just curious about the yeah. male gay porn. I get that. Yeah. Which which is yeah. most exciting to you, the hetero porn or the lesbian Lesy porn. <laughs> I go I go through like deep phases. I like that. Lesy porn. Lesy porn. Um, so I'll go through like months of like just wanting to see women. Then I'll go through months of like a specific like or weeks of like a specific kink that I, I'm interested in. That's it's a whole thing. That's how I do like my life too. Like one time I'm obsessed with this ice cream flavor and then it's just that's how I am. But porn does it for me. The Zoom sex I don't know what that is. Um, it's a place in time. You know what it is? It's an appointment. Yeah. I, I, I don't yes. know. It's an appointment. It's a freaking appointment. I'm sorry. I like to do the Pornhub sponsor when I feel like it in the moment you know as opposed you to are like. extremely right. Thank you. Like that's it. 3 p.m. What's the Zoom link? Who's going to send the link to who? It's just too much freaking. It's elaborate. There's no spontaneity. I think that's very true and that you made me think of something else. Now, I almost forgot about it. COVID has seemed like it's been years, right? (sighs) So early in in the pandemic, I was so, I was very much not, there was no sexual partners and no dating, nothing. And I got, this is, uh, now I'm admitting something else, right? That I don't really talk, I have not talked about this at all. But I found this app do you know Chat Roulette and Omegle? Never it's heard these of these apps. It's an app where you you go on and you just it's like video chatting and it's random matching. So you get randomly matched with somebody who's going to video chat you and you can swipe, swipe, swipe. It's it's crazy. It's like a, it's like the dystopic future of technology, mm. right? And it's not permitted, but a lot of people masturbate on there, right? They use it sexually. And uh, I did that a couple times because I was so like starved for skin hungry, skin hunger. Yeah. And it scratched an itch, but only for a while, you know, just like porn would do. do. I mean, seriously, doesn't porn just relieve the itch for like the minute or how for a a real Yeah, Absolutely. But nothing beats the live human contact. Really nothing beats that. And sometimes you meet up. Go ahead. Sorry. Gives me hope for humanity, for the rest of us. That's say what you, true. yeah, say what you will. I, I hope, I mean, I can't imagine unless we're going to develop some new uh, body, some scales, something that just makes us repulsive to touch. I can't imagine that going away. I feel that yeah. we are now being forced to relate to each other differently a lot of us are forced to confront our demons ourselves, meet ourselves for the first time. And I feel so sorry for people who already had trouble being alone. This has got to be the worst for them. This has got to be so hard. If you're someone who always needs the stimulation of having humans around you all the time, this has been, you have been fucked. 
Absolutely. And maybe the gift is for you to learn how to be alone with yourself so that being with others becomes a choice. Wow, that's deep, Nadege, and you're so right. <laughs> you're no, it's all of us have been contemplative. And me being this, you know, sexual, you know, person who has these uh, different divergent sexualities, this has also been a time where I've been thinking about those things a lot, about what it means to be alone, how much do I like, and you know, it's just it's a lot to think about. It really with. is. Yeah. Your parents. Any family know about your uh, propensity um, for the wild side? I love that question about parents, right? Because we're all under that shadow of our Dude, evangelical fucking like you were raised, you were strict. I thought Catholicism was strict. No, your ass was strict. Very strict. Like there was so much guilt around... I don't, I, I don't have an explanation of how I became very sexually open after being brought up like that. I really don't. That's why I'm like, I came out of the womb like this. It must have been. My sister is also very open like this. So wow. I don't know what it is, but my sister knows. I don't talk to her in great detail or anything, but we're close. So she knows that I do it. My parents, my father has passed away, so he will never find out. And my mother... God willing, we'll go to her grave, <laughs> never knowing. <laughs> you know, don't discredit your mom because if you, you and your sister are very open, uh, maybe it's genetic. Maybe mom has repressed a lot and you are probably would probably give her the freedom to be more explorative. Now, I say this with all respect, so, you know, tread lightly. <laughs> it's a fascinating concept. I would, I, I could... Uh, that's a whole other podcast to tell you about my dad, but suffice it to say that he was like that. Um, oh, he, like was he was crazy very, free. Very. You mean he was very. a man with a schlong and he was crazy free. Come on. That's not exactly. that revolutionary. Can I just it's say, really I'm not impressed. Sorry. I'm not impressed. <laughs> Next. Yeah. Next. My dad, he, my dad was such a womanizer, which yes, very normal for a lot mm-hmm. of men. I've recently discovered that he probably was bisexual, which was very interesting to me. Oh my gosh. Yes. Fascinating. It's fascinating. And he's, and he's dead. So I can never talk to him about it, which is like the worst. Wait, so what did you discover that made you go, that made you think that maybe he was bisexual? So that ties right back to my mom, because my mom, I think certainly is repressed. Like many women who grew up both Christian and Asian in and Asia. that era. And that era, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Certainly. Certainly I acknowledge, it's the older I get, the more I realize our parents are much more than we ever could think they are, and they are sexual beings, 100%. Um, but my mother, I think, has is naturally a conservative person. And she recently had a conversation with my sister, which was mortifying for my sister, um, about how, I don't know how this came up, because it's mysterious to me, but she's talked about how our father had, man, I wish I could remember the word she used, but it was like not sinful, but um, deviant, something like deviant. Our father had deviant desires, right? So when my sister told me this, she was like, she rolled her eyes and said, fully mortified. She was like, honestly, to, to mom, like anything beyond missionary is probably like scandalous. So who knows what she meant? 
but like that she, she got the sense that my mom was strongly hinting that she, he had desire for men. Um, the way, cause I know, cause the way that our mom thinks about homosexuality, we just, it just seemed like that's what she was saying. Mm. So we were like, he could have very well been bisexual and that could have been part of why he was so unhappy his whole life and searching for something that he never, who knows? We're right. never going to know. And, and also this, this hyper, um, vigilante, probably not the best term, this, uh, overcompensation of womanization. Exactly. Oh, I just rhymed overcompensation of womanization. I'm freestyling, yes. <laughs> which I suck at and couldn't do in real life. But, Sometimes that's oh that's that's to cover, that's to cover. I think so. Oh wow, it could be. Wow. Yeah. Oh okay. Well, yeah. you know, you don't seem like. Listen, I'm sad for people who don't get to live their truths. There's nothing. Yes. Yeah, if you don't get to be who you are meant to be, who you fully are. And this isn't an excuse because, of course, there's going to be someone who's going to say, oh, yeah, Nadege, well, what about if you're, if you're a pedophile? I draw the line there. There's a of difference course. between harmful behavior. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if that's the case, if you're going to harm people, yeah, yeah, by all means, please fucking suppress that shit. Just suppress it, okay? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. But it's consensual and freeing and 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 we're not all very clear, right? We're not just black and white. We live in the gray. Living in the gray is beautiful, by the way. And that's what you're doing. You're living in the gray. I like that. I think that is a good description. Considering that it's fluid, dated. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, life is not black and white. There's that gray area. And I think it's probably smarter and healthier to live in the gray. So you're you're pretty much living in the gray right now for all intents and purposes. And I, I, it's hard for me to hear of a man like your father, and I don't know him, respectfully, rest in peace, if it is in fact true that he probably leaned more on that rector stale towards homosexuality and he had to repress it in such a way that your mother is, you know, may or may not be bitter about it, that says right. that he didn't get to fully be who he was meant to be out loud. Yes. And to my mother's credit, she's such a, this is just a side note. She was so mm-hmm. committed to him, even though he, le- he left her eventually and stuff, but like whatever happened between them that she was alluding to, she, she told the story of how like she sat him down and said, you can tell me anything and whatever you tell me, we'll work through it. You know, like that's the kind of person she is. And she's very innocent in a way, but anyway. So that she was, was very bad. committed to her duties. She, she said, really I, yeah, she committed to her vow in her job as a woman. And I understand in your culture that that's, yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah. Hey, listen, yeah. bless her heart. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can I say one more thing about like, Absolutely. You, made, you, you, you keep alluding to, or mentioning empathy, right? And I keep mm-hmm. thinking, bring that up because um, there is so much like we're all drinking a little more than usual. Maybe we're smoking a little extra weed. I'm drinking as I'm talking to you right now. Okay. I'm having wine listeners. It is Friday after hours. Exactly. Thank you. And you'd be drinking with me. Were you not like on medication, but you got high, you got high before this interview, right? I did. I did. Because it helps relax me. Yeah. I see that. You're chill. 
<laughs> Thank you. I, you know, I'm an anxious person, so the weed really helps me. Um, but I want to say that, like, meeting this guy on the beach, um, that uh, let's call him Joe, okay? This guy on the beach that, among all the guys I've mentioned in this in this conversation, he's a guy that I really like that I met this summer. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of COVID, you know, we were just talking about, we were we were flirting, but it was so careful because of COVID and we wanted to be respectful. And like, it was, it, it, we talked about touch and I asked him at one point, okay, we don't have to get close. Let me, with your permission, can I stand behind you and just put my hands on your back? Not even like rubbing because that can move into a sexual area, right? And it was just like this once again, hippie Nikki comes out. It was this real spiritual, it was on the beach, you know, we were naked, but except wrapped in towels at this point. And we didn't say a word to each other. And it was just touch after so long of not having touch. And like my connecting it to empathy is just, if people understood how much we needed touch and community and, and sexual community and other kinds of community, people wouldn't be so judgmental over the way people choose to have sex, whether that's promiscuously or with men, men and men, women and women, or whatever it is, pe- if people could understand nobody's getting hurt and it's all about love, right? Really, ultimately, then I think people would be happier. Honestly, I really believe that. And I just, I honestly feel that on that note, this is a beautiful way to, to wrap up because you, yeah, you, you, you've said so much and it's so, so much in, in a way that uh, leads, leaves food for thought. Um, it boils down to this need to connect with another person, doesn't it? I think it does. It really does. Yeah. And however that manifests for you or for someone else is, you know, who are we to judge? As long as you, what matters is that you found another human who is willing to just lay hands upon you and remind you that you're alive and you have senses for a reason. That's beautiful. Listen, I haven't had any sort of that kind of connection. Just like, well, not kind of like you, right? The week COVID was shutting down was the week I was going through a breakup that was just like, just mm-hmm. fucking like blindsided me. Um, it has been a gift in a way, but there hasn't, and I'm also super careful. Of course, I could have just said, blown, thrown caution to the wind and just like grabbed anyone or tried to reconnect with an ex or something. I did yeah. none of that. Um, I watched some friends that I've spoken with. Um, one particular gentleman who, oh gosh, he's my friend, Michael. He's insane. I love him to pieces. Who's a wild guy. Like he's a swinger. He does everything. Like, he will try nice. anything at least once or twice. Uh-huh. And um, even he, he was like, you know, all the places to have fun are closed. So I guess I have a girlfriend now. <laughs> he kind of just <laughs> settled. Oh, wow. <laughs> During COVID. That is such a cool story. It's just, it's like one more way of the millions of ways, right? To find a person. And it's totally valid. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. 
He's like, all right, Nadege. So I, I, and I actually signed an agreement with her. I told her 90 days. He's like, I'm thinking COVID should end 90 days. I'm like, the joke's on you now, mofo. <laughs> Yeah, so he's he's stuck with a girlfriend now, and it sounds like he's actually happy. So I'm I'm kind of good because he's he was a little go. too cray cray in his behavior. Anyway, what shall I wish you, my dear? Shall I wish you full on lesbian sex? I feel like that's what you need. You know what? Yes, please do wish me that. Sometimes men are too much. I can't deal with them. Oh, let me okay. sprinkle you with some lesbian charm. Okay, sprinkle, you. sprinkle. I feel it. I feel it. <laughs> I would say I'd bring you back. Thank you. I'd say I'd bring you back on just to tell us about it. But no, I'm not going to put you through that when I can get a real lesbian on to tell me all about it. I know. I'm totally a poser lesbian. You'll have to get a real one. You're a phony. (laughs) I'm sorry. It sounds like you just want to experiment. It it really is. It really is that. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? You owe it to yourself to freaking find out. That's what I do. Yeah. Might as well find out. Why waste your time, his time, her time? Just get it out. Yes. Get it out. All right. So, Nikki, I got to ask you. Yes. When you wrap things up with your partners at these sex club parties, do you guys just, like, get up and walk away? Do you say goodbye in a way? Do you have a cute way that you, like, say bye? Because my thing is, what the fuckery, we say goodbye the way my guest say goodbye. So what's your cutesy way of saying bye-bye? I always say thank you. I (laughs) say, I know that sounds so nerdy, like, right? You sound grateful, but like in that (laughs) pathetic way, sorry. Oh, no, no. Oh, you know what? That's an excellent point. So let me contextualize it. First of all, first of all, I'm always, I'm always feeling like my absolute queeniest, most sexiest in these moments, right? So after it's all done, I get up usually and I look at them and I kiss them and I say, thank you, real sexy, like, you know what I mean? And then they feel very good about themselves. And that's a real good way to end things. <laughs> all right. You're going to have to like demonstrate, demonstrate the sexy. Thank you. Will it help you if I look away? No, it's fine. Let me, let me get into the headspace. Okay? Get into the and context. This is like so we just thing. Yes. So there were like four of us and we were slapping breasts. And all kinds of body parts. All kinds yes. of body parts. <laughs> so I'm going to get up. It's usually with one main person and there's other people on the periphery. And I'll get up and I'll hug them like really slowly and I'll just whisper in their ear, thank you. So now is everyone naked in that process? Sometimes. Sometimes some clothing is left on because everything happened too quickly. All depends. But yeah, usually naked. Okay. So at the count of three, we're going to say, audience, I'm going to say not goodbye, but I'm going to (laughs) go the way our friend Nikki, who is so unapologetically sexy. Thank you for being that way, by the way. Um, they're going to just say thank you to our listeners, my listeners. You know what that means now? What? You realize you won't, you're, you're actually not going to share this episode, right? You won't be able to tell people, listen to this, because, uh, <laughs> you, know because you can't. Are, there are a couple of friends that I will definitely share it with. Oh, great. I get like three more extra downloads. Excellent. No, no, That's I, okay. I, don't worry. There's I'm, a, I, 
I'm not worried. Don't you worry. <laughs> worry because I, my listeners, let me tell you, I, I just, I'm, listen, I'm like, the, I'm the little engine that could. No, I am, I am, uh, this is, I am obsessed with podcasts. I am Great. obsessed. So I'm very like interested in what you're doing. And I'm going to share it with like the maximum amount of people that I can share it with. Don't Absolutely. Worry. And by the time your episode comes out, maybe they'll lose interest. So they'll never get to it. So. Ultimately, that is part of the story. It's like, ultimately, it's just sex. We all have it. We all do it. And that's why we're here. If somebody didn't have sex with our mamas, you and I would be here right now. And listener, you listening right now, you wouldn't be here right now. Exactly. Oh, my God. I feel like I want to go off on Amy, whatever her name is, that's being, I don't even want to know Um, her name. Jamie? Yeah. (laughs) Let's not even go there, right? No, please, let's not. This is movie. about sex. We're we're being sexy w- right now. Okay. I know. I was about to give you my signature thank you. So well, I let's gotta, let's, yeah. let's signify our thank you, and maybe I'll start saying thank you after sex. <laughs> okay. Do you do? But but make sure you say it in a very sexy way, so as not to appear overly grateful. <laughs> okay. Do you want to say it with me, or should I just say it? Oh, you, you know, okay, let's say it. You say it and I'll just, I'll say bye-bye because it's so weird to just say thank you to my audience. Not that I'm not grateful I understand that you're you have listening. to close it up perfect. I got to wrap so it up. So I'm going to, okay. So I'm going to talk to your audience for two seconds here. To the listeners, thank you. That was so hot. Glad you thought so. Bye. Bye, and thank you so much.